Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Chanel Hogue sharing her VBAC, an experience that was beautiful and emotional, but most of all, empowering. Hello, Chanel. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are very excited to have you today, but can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. So um, my name is Chanel. I am a childbirth educator, lactation educator, birth doula, and virtual doula. Um, I have two littles. One is going to be one in like five, six days. And then my other one, my older son is... Um, we're going to be three in May. Um, I am a wife to an amazing husband. We live in Dallas, Texas. We're originally from the Midwest. Um, but I just kind of fell into this birth world based off of my experiences and um, what I wish that I would have had and what I hope to be able to provide for other mamas in this in this birthing world. Nice. Chanel, can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yes. My pregnancy was actually great. Um, the pregnancy itself, I had, you know, morning sickness. I had the, the usual pregnancy symptoms and this was my second time around. And so I kind of expected that, but it was amazing from the start because I knew from my first experience that I needed to have the support and to build a birth team because of the lack of support that I had the first time around. And so um, it was tiring and exhausting because I was also chasing a toddler around. But overall, um, I just took this pregnancy really as an opportunity to educate myself or over-educate myself because I had been on the other side of some of the negative stories that we read online and, you know, essentially was someone who dealt with some of those experiences because I was not educated in the way that I thought I was until I was in that moment. I didn't realize I didn't have the education, the support that I needed. And so the pregnancy overall was was wonderful. It went much longer than I would have liked. Uh, I gave birth at 41 plus one. So I was getting really close to what could have had to be an induction situation. But um, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about patience. It taught me a lot about releasing control. It taught me a lot about finding my peace and knowing that I don't have control over the situation and being okay with that. Um, and so, yeah, my daughter has, um, she has taught me a lot from the moment that I got pregnant. Um, it was like the hardest time of my life when I got pregnant and I what in my mind I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to have another baby because I was trying to work on myself in that season, and I just had a lot of things going on. But, um, you know, for the most part, I tried to just see my pregnancy as like the light that was going to get me out of that tunnel, and that's exactly what it was. It forced me to go to therapy more. It forced me to work through my issues more, and so now you know. Have, you know, we'll talk about the birth experience, but that whole experience plus the pregnancy has really like changed me as a person. And so, you know, as, as much as I didn't think that the timing was right, or we weren't ready as a family, like it was absolutely the most perfect timing. So you talked a little bit about your preparation. Um, but 
you know, really thinking about that this time you wanted a VBAC. So having a vaginal birth after a cesarean birth, can you talk about what the prep was for that? Yeah. So for me, I knew first and foremost that I had to make sure that I was finding the healthcare provider that was going to support me in this mission of a VBAC. Um, VBACs, unfortunately, in at least America, um, they're just taboo. And it's, it's this narrative that once a C-section, always a C-section. And I think that's even more prevalent in, in our communities where, um, you know, we very much so rely and might have been raised in like modern medicine and the healthcare system. And so we trust a lot of that. And it's not to say that they're not trustworthy and that they don't know what they're talking about because they do. However, I knew from my hospital experience that I wanted to go a more natural route because I attempted a natural route in that system and it didn't work for me. And so I wanted to put myself in another environment where natural birth was like, that was what they did. That was what they, that was what they were known for is natural birth experiences. And they had experience with VBACs. And so the first thing that I did was find a healthcare provider that I felt like I could trust, um, that was not going to offer me any interventions unless like I was requesting them um, or even transferring to the hospital unless I requested it or if it was a true emergency. So at that point, I didn't have to truly worry about, is this is this right? When they're asking me if I should do this, like, is this absolutely medically necessary? Because in a birth center, which is where I ended up giving birth, that's just not an option. I mean, once you are in a situation where it's like truly an emergency and it's outside of their scope of care, then we're going to move to the place where you know, emergency situations happen. And so that was the first thing that I did to prepare um, was just doing my research, interviewing my different healthcare provider options and not just feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I have to get into the first person who will take me. And that was what I did the first time around because I was just so excited to be pregnant. Um, And then I talked about this earlier, but just building a birth team. So again, I think because of my personality and I can do a lot of research and you know, I'm smart and I know how to do these things to figure out whatever it is that I'm trying to learn about. I realized that first time around, one, I didn't educate myself like I needed to, but two, I'd never done this before. I never gave birth before. So I, there's no way I could like be an expert and know how to navigate every single situation. And so the second thing that I did was hire a doula. Um, I knew because I had, I ended up getting a postpartum doula with my son the first time around. I learned about the value of doulas and why we should have hired a doula when we didn't see the value in one before. And so I hired a doula. And from the start, she educated me. She educated my husband. She taught me and told me every single thing that I needed to do. My midwives were amazing. I was making sure that I was treating my body and doing things with my body from supplements to vitamins to eating differently and all of these things just to make sure that I was putting myself in the best possible situation and setting myself up for success. So between that and then taking a a number of childbirth education classes and um, just trying to really prepare my mind for birth, which was going through therapy as often as I could during my pregnancy to try to work through, you know, just my own trauma with my birth and just childhood and whatever could have been going on in that time of my life. Um, that was what I think truly prepared me for this experience because 
you just, it's unpredictable in a lot of ways. <laughs> so you just have to make sure that you have the tools in all aspects of life for your entire body um, to, you know, have as much control within that moment as you can. I want to tap back into your conversation about choosing your provider based on who, you know, was actually would support a VBAC. Often we hear um, providers who say, oh, yeah, well, you can have a trial of labor and all those different things. And there's a difference between being VBAC friendly and VBAC tolerant. Um, VBAC tolerant will often say, well, once your contractions get to about 10 minutes apart, we want you to head on to the hospital. VBAC friendly will say, once you get to about five minutes apart, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and that might not always be the exact wording, but they recognize that as soon as you arrive, they're going to start monitoring you and it's going to get closer and closer. As long as you and your baby are safe and there's no concerns, no fevers and different things like that, um, extreme pain in near your um, incision from your previous birth. And it's just like a lot of times people don't know that, um, that a doctor or a midwife or whoever might say, hey, um, yeah, I take VBACs, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah, I... Yeah, it is. And I think that's the thing that is so interesting to me is that um, we almost treat, of, go- of course, it's a, it's a surgery, right? It's a, it's a major surgery that happens and it's a serious situation. But I think sometimes we don't give our bodies enough credit to like heal and to do the things that it was designed to do. And it's like, if you broke your leg before, you let your leg heal and you went back to doing whatever you did before you broke your leg. And that's like a bone. You broke a whole bone. And once you're cleared, things go back to normal and you don't question it again. Um, Are you aware of it? Yeah. Maybe you are careful. Maybe you do things or you move differently. But when it comes to birth, it's almost like this completely different thing where we just have to treat it like this emergency situation. And like, it is, of course, there are complications that can happen. There are obviously things that can not go as planned, but like you said, people will just for the sake of having a client. Okay. I'll take you. And then you end up talking them off the ledge of being like, you know what? You're right. I probably should just go ahead and get this cesarean again because blah, 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 blah. And it might not have been medically necessary. So, um, So I think that, you know, ultimately people who are trying for a VBAC need to just take a little bit more time on the front end to interview, like truly interview, because you are the one that's paying this person. So you are the boss of a situation. You make the executive decisions. They can give you recommendations. They can give you suggestions and all these things. But you're the one that has to um, essentially make the final call. And then, oh, there's one other thing that I did to prepare that I forgot to mention. Um, scar tissue mobilization. Um, people don't really know about that either, but there can be a lot of buildup of scar tissue, which can essentially be a blockage for your baby to descend. And so there is, um, a Sobada in Dallas and they, uh, or, you know, the, what they do or what a Sobada does is helps to, um, kind of roll out and massage out with her hands, 
and work through scar tissue and break all that up so that that is not an issue when it comes to actually trying to give a birth. So I did a few sessions with that and then obviously chiropractic care and, and other things to make sure that my body was in alignment, which is what I did not do the first time around. So when it comes to just like preparing your body, um, you know, just making sure that things that you can't see on the outside are taken care of. Chanel, tell us about your birth experience. Yes, y'all. It was amazing. It was so amazing. Um, so I was, um, I thought because my son came early, he came 37 plus five. I had this like thought in my mind, I'm going to go into labor early again because the second time they come faster and that's what you read and all these things. And now knowing what I know and doing what I do now, I realized that the amount of power and anxiety and thought I was giving to my baby coming early, she was not going to come early because of the amount of stress that I was just carrying around. And so um, I actually went on maternity leave two weeks before my due date because I was like, I just need to, you know, have some me time. And then most likely because the sonographer told me my baby was bigger and they said that I could deliver early based on her size, I'm just going to prepare ahead of time. And that probably was like the best and the worst thing that I could have done because I got a lot of like me time, but I had too much me time to think about too much so that I was just so focused on like, "Mm, nope, no contractions today. I was just like anticipating a contraction to start and it didn't. So um, I was in a waiting period for quite some time uh, from like 38 weeks until 41 weeks. And that was quite... uh, a mental challenge. Um, But once I actually started to feel some level of like consistency um, with my contractions, I tried to rest because during early labor, we all know it's important to just kind of rest, get off your feet and conserve your energy. And so thankfully, when I started to feel um, some sort of, you know, contractions, Brex and Hicks starting at the beginning, I, it was towards the evening. And so I just went to bed and then the next morning they, um, started to get a little bit more intense, but nothing crazy. I, uh, we took my son to school, just hoping that we would have a baby by the time he got home from school. But, you know, again, I didn't know, I kind of relied a lot on my doula and my, obviously the education that I received, but more so just like following my doula's lead and everything. And so, um, She came to our house. I lost my mucus plug that morning and she came to our house around 11 because they started to kind of get more consistent and I was GBS positive. And so the way that the reason that she came early and I had her come earlier was because while they would typically tell you, like you said, come in when your contractions are about four to five minutes apart, I had to time it out four hours before we think I could have a baby so that I could get the antibiotics. And so she came over and we were laboring. Things were good. We're just kind of hanging out, doing a little bit of walking here, a little bit of resting here. And um, when things started to get more intense, and that was probably around 3 p.m., 3, 4 p.m., we head to the birth center, Uh, got to the birth center, got my antibiotics and just continued to do all movements continued to just labor, right? Nothing was out of whack. It was a very peaceful 
space. Thankfully, I was the only one giving birth at the birth center at the time. And so it was just kind of like we were in a beautiful home and just laboring. And it was literally the most amazing experience because compared to my first birth in the hospital, I just remember feeling rushed. And I remember like people constantly coming in and checking, okay, we're going to check baby's heart rate. Okay. I want you to lay down. Okay. We're going to do a cervical check. And none of that happened this time because I was very clear that I, I didn't want that other than obviously checking baby's heart rate. And so it just felt like I was just kind of like the center of attention, um, which was great to be in this experience during your birth because it just makes you feel covered and it makes you feel protected and safe. And that was really kind of what helped me progress. And so we continued to labor. Um, We walked a lot. There was a park nearby. So we walked and did curb walking and just kind of enjoyed the daylight while it was there. My son was able to come up and kind of be a part of the birth experience after he got out of school. And so that was also really nice. And it kind of brought me a level of peace. Um, And then once we got towards the evening, I things started to pick up and get more intense. And obviously I'm kind of getting tired at this point. And so one of the things that I was very clear about was no cervical checks because um, when I did have them the first time around, it really messed with my mind because I was in, I ended up getting induced after my water broke the first time. And when I was laboring for so long and thought that I was supposed to be further, I should have been further along than I was. It really kind of just defeated me and slowed down the labor process. And so I didn't want to know, I didn't want them to check. It was obviously uncomfortable to do that anyways. And so once it got closer to kind of that transitional period, um, I was starting to say a lot of crazy things. Like I can't do this anymore. Take me to the hospital. This is, what am I doing? This was cute, but like, no, we're not going to do this no more. And so, um, they were like, well, do you want to do a vaginal check just to kind of see where you're at? And I was like, that's fine. You guys do one vaginal check. That way my doula can guide me and direct me in what I should be doing right now. Should I be resting? Should I continue to keep moving? Because um, I was getting tired, but I had so much adrenaline that they had to tell me to just like sit down and chill for a second because I wanted to keep going and meet my baby. And um, so they did a vaginal check and that was around 11 p.m. I got to the birth center around 5.30 p.m. So around 11.30 p.m., they did a cervical check. Um, and I just remember myself feeling very like starting to feel defeated. And I'm like, what did I, am I doing something wrong? Mind you, I still was, you know, active labor was not truly an active labor at this point. So just chilling. And um, I started to have a very like weak moment where I felt like I wanted to give up. And I went into the shower and I was like, I just need to be alone for a second. And I went to the shower and I just remember having this very intimate moment with God. And I just started praying and talking to him and being like, God, just give me the strength. Like, I don't have it anymore. I don't have any more physical strength. Like, please just give me your supernatural strength and like, keep me, keep my baby safe in this and like, help me labor to the finish line, essentially. And then I think for me as a, as a Christian, that was one of the most intimate and clear moments that I've ever had with God where I like heard him, I heard him speak to me and it was just so intimate and like emotional. And 
things were still intense, right? Like contractions weren't stopping because I was talking to God, but it just felt more manageable. One, because of where I was at physically, but then two, because that was like the time where I was able to kind of like come back to a peaceful centering, if that makes sense. And so that was, again, that was around 1130 midnight. And I just stayed in the shower for a while and I just kind of like cried and let it out and just felt relaxed. And then I got out, went back to the bed um, and just kind of did some active resting positions because, uh, and I'll share where I was in a second, but just did some more active resting positions and then things just picked up quick. And it was, we were really in transition at that point. And by 347, I had my baby. And so it was one of those moments where, and this is what I teach now, is like you have to figure out what is going to keep you in a peaceful place and know that the minute you can release control and surrender to the process, because you're going to have a contraction regardless. So you might as well try to just ride the wave and trust that every contraction is going to get me closer to meeting my baby rather than fighting it and tensing up and all these things. And so we had our baby, um, literally was, I just felt so empowered through the moment after the moment. And so I asked them like, Hey, how far along was I when you checked me? And this was good. like three hours prior, she was like, you were at a four. And I was like, Oh, Jesus, thank you for not telling me because when I was in the hospital and I had PTSD, I still had PTSD around my first experience. When I was in the hospital, I was giving, I was in natural labor and I had been induced, but I hadn't had any epidural at that point. I think I was in labor for about 18 hours and, um, it was just intense and contractions with Pitocin are much more painful than natural contractions in my opinion. And so when they came and they checked me and they they told me after 18 hours that I was at a four, I was like, yeah, no, this is the same. And I, and I, in my mind, I thought I can't do this for another 18 hours. Like I, there's no way I, my body can do this for another 18 hours. And fast forward, I went from a four to a 10 in the matter of two to three hours. So I think it's just a matter of like one, opening your mind to realizing that your body is going to do what it needs to do when it needs to do it. Um, but then also realizing like, I'm so happy that I chose not to know because I probably would have just been like, yeah, this is, this is cute, but let's go, let's go get this epidural because I can't do this for X amount of hours. Knowing that once your body gets to a certain point, it does, it can speed up and you can meet your baby pretty quickly. And so anyways, I pushed for like 10 minutes. Um, and we met our girl. She, we didn't know she was a girl at the time. It was a surprise gender. And, um, yeah, anyways, it was the most empowering experience ever. Um, and I could talk about it all day long, but it, it was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like my absolute favorite thing to hear is when bringing people get to that space of releasing control. Mm-hmm. It's, my favorite. <laughs> it's it's so hard to get there, but when you get there, and if you can start there, it's even better. But if you don't start there, and you get there, and you're like, "Dang, if I would have done this earlier, I might have been done with this by now." But I, I needed every moment of it, really. Right, right. Two things stick out for me. Um, it's the going into solitude that is so common with most 
birth and labor experiences is that it looks different ways for each woman or each birthing person. And so um, that going into the shower, going to be by yourself um, is a very um, just that sensitive period within the labor um, it you see you see it all the time, and then the part where you just like I give up, I can't do this, I need something other than me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I always tell clients like, once you say you can't do it, like you just you're that close. <laughs> like even if yep. they said you were four centimeters, <laughs> when you get to that point where you verbalize it yes. and it's been out into the atmosphere, it's like, oh, she's so close. Yep. <laughs> I literally just had a client who um gave birth like almost two weeks ago. And she did the same thing. She's like, I can't do this anymore. Give me the epidural. Give me. And I was like, we're in transition, sweetie. You know this. We got this. You remember we talked about this? Remember you said, we said you were going to say some crazy things. We are right around the corner. And she, when we just, t- I talked to her last night about it. And I was like, like, tell me about your birthing experience. And she was saying like, you know, I knew when I started saying these things that I was in transition. And obviously, you know, we're not going to process the same thing while we're actually in transition, but you know, same thing again, I, this was like the, my first vaginal birth. So in that moment, I'm like, what is happening? And then my doula was just so calm and she's like, it's fine. We're right, we're right around the corner. And I was like, no, we're not. I'm just, I need to go. And so anyways, we were clearly very, very close. Yes. As birth workers, I know families, everybody be looking at us like what, are y'all like are y'all on the same page as the rest of us? And we're like, no, we're there. We're there. You got it. Yep, yep. Yeah, she hated me. We, we see a lot of things. We're like, oh, you threw up. <laughs> awesome. We're like... getting there. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> You've got the shakes. That's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> so, so can you tell us about how was postpartum for you? Postpartum. So this is a very interesting postpartum fourth trimester for me because um, there were so many positives, but there were also so many factors that were out of my control um, that were very stressful. But I feel like because of the way that I prepared and the support that I had, I was able to manage it much better. So we gave birth on March 12th and then on March 13th, we had uh, everybody went into shelter in place. So we like thankfully just missed the cutoff of like, you know, true uh, limitations in birthing places. So I was really, really grateful about that. And it's really funny because not funny, interesting, because when I was walking around our neighborhood um, in early labor with my doula the day before, I was like, what do you think about this COVID thing? I was like, I was like, what do you think about this? And she was, we we're just talking about it. And I was like, I think people are just kind of taking it out of proportion. She just sounds like, and I didn't, I was like, you know, sanitation, this is normal. We should wash our hands. And I was just not even realizing how serious it was. And then the next day, you know, here we are shelter in place and we just made it home from the birth center. And so at that point we were on like true lockdown and, um, I couldn't have an in-person postpartum visit with my doula. So everything at that point became virtual. And so, and then, and of course I have my son who's two and was in school at the time. And then, you know, school shut down. And so I became 
a homeschool mom and a mom of two under two all in a day in 24 hours. And so there was a lot of stress and um, just pressure that I was giving myself because I am outside of this or before I became a birth worker, I was a educator and I we, my husband and I both were teachers. And so we put a very huge emphasis on education. And so because I became his teacher, essentially, um, I just kind of had a lot of like, I just raised the bar for myself really, really quickly of like what I should be doing. And so um, thankfully, my husband was amazing during that first couple weeks postpartum where he was like, you're not getting out of the bed, stay in there. And he was on paternity leave at that point. And so he took um, our son and really kind of owned the responsibility of him. And he let me and uh, our baby just kind of like be isolated in the room and, you know, not get out of the bed for any reason. Um, So the rest period was, um, it was great. I mean, it was hard for me to stay in the bed because I've, I'm just very active and I wanted to be a part of everything that was going on outside of my room. But um, it was great for my postpartum healing because And I think that was a difference because the first time I had a C-section and I felt like the first three, four weeks, it was just so hard for me to get out of the bed. Like I didn't want, I I wanted to get out of the bed, but I felt like I couldn't. And I, or if I got out of the bed, I needed to get back in because my body was telling me, no, this is too much. You shouldn't be walking around. Whereas with my vaginal birth, it was like, I felt normal. I was like, oh, we, and I tore a little bit, but oh, we stitch back up. This is fine. Like, let's go on a walk. And I just felt so normal that I didn't feel like my recovery was going to be like, I didn't feel like my body needed the same kind of recovery it did. Although I knew it did feeling wise, I just didn't feel physically like I needed my to just sit and rest all day long. Um, But with that being said, um, having that rest period was wonderful. Um, I ended up encapsulating my placenta And so I did also feel like mentally and emotionally, it was a much smoother curve into postpartum because I didn't feel that dip as quickly as I did. I didn't feel the baby blues like I did with my first. Um, I honestly felt emotionally better than I expected. Um, And I really give credit to my placenta for that. Um, You know, so it was, it was, it was weird. It was like, I feel really, really good about, you know, just mentally and physically and emotionally. I feel very good. I'm very excited. My baby's here and, you know, we're working through things. Breastfeeding is going well. And, and my son is here and I get to spend all this time. And I used to have this dream of like being able to homeschool my kids and never thought it was going to be a reality for me. And so when I was faced with, this is our reality and we have no choice but to do this. Um, I was very excited. And so that fourth trimester, honestly, was a really, really great experience for me. And I think it's because of the support that my husband gave me, knowing that we didn't have family that could come in and support. We didn't have, you know, even if we had friends to come help us, like it just wasn't possible at that point. So with what we were given, I think it was um, it was a great uh first three months, obviously, you know, we were all sleep deprived and everything else, but outside of those normal newborn things, um, I would say that I don't really have any complaints, but I also feel like it's because I trusted the guidance of the people who were leading me. And I, I also had to, again, there's a surrendering process, right? I have to surrender to the fact that 
my body needs time to heal. And I'm also like a type A person and I like things done in my house a certain way and being able to release control and be like, my husband's going to clean the dishes. And if it doesn't look, my kitchen doesn't look like how I want it to look. It's okay. Just don't go out there and look. It's fine. As long as the, as long as the food gets to you and then gets back out of the room, it's fine. If my son, you know, has a little bit of screen time, it's okay. Like these things where sometimes we can just get so in our minds and we just want things to just operate how we would do them. Once I was able to release control over that part too, because that also did not come natural. Once I was able to release that, I feel like it just allowed me to enjoy the fact and live through that high that I still had from my birth, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think that part of that, like when people have their mother-in-laws or something come over after they've had a baby and they're like, "Mm that's not how I do this and how I do that. And I'm like, where are you fit? Right. Did you get a shower? Right. <laughs> do you know your child is safe while you're knocked right. out? Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> surrender. Exactly. That's the word. And that's just like, if you can surrender through this whole thing, you're going to be good. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners, resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Yes. Um, First piece of advice is to hire a birth team. Um, I think no matter where you decide to give birth, you know, because options can be limited in some places, is to hire a birth team, whether that be in person or virtually, because um, the only thing you should be focusing on during your birth and your pregnancy truly is you and your baby. Everything else, what movement should I do? Where should I sit? What should I eat? All these things can be taken care of and off of your plate by your birth team. And so being able to hire a birth team and just surrendering to the process and allowing them to guide you so that you can focus on your breathing and your baby and your body, then you will and can have a positive birth experience. Um, I also have created, and this is, you know, it started off as really just like a passion project. Um, my birth class kind of just started off as a passion project because as a black mama, I feel like with the way that our statistics look and the maternal mortality rate for us, there weren't a lot of people who looked like us um, out in the space that were, that I could find at the time that were teaching things and doing it in a way that was accessible to everybody if you didn't live where they lived, right? Because a lot of things pre-COVID were taught in person. And so um, I have taken, you know, my experience with my son in the hospital and my daughter in a birth center and having a doula and becoming a doula and becoming a childbirth educator and all the training and guidance and mentorship that I have received in my experiences with evidence-based information to create this course, a four-week course, to make sure that mamas are prepared for any and everything when it comes to birth and postpartum. And so if that's a, a resource or something that would be of use to a mama, I would love to be able to train and educate you. Um, I've also extended my services into becoming a virtual doula because of COVID and knowing that, you know, it's really difficult a lot of times to choose between your partner or a doula, and especially if it's your first baby. And so um, I was fortunate enough to be um, a virtual doula to some clients. And 
I just felt like I was also there. They felt like I was there. And so I was like, maybe this, maybe this thing might be helpful for some people. And so if that's you, if you're in that situation, I would love to be able to, you know, support you virtually. Um, because, you know, just having somebody there who can be outside of the experience and watch and guide and encourage that can truly make a difference. And it doesn't always have to be in person. I don't have to put, people don't have to put their hands physically on you to be able to touch your experience. So, um, so if that's something that you're interested in, I'm also providing that service as well, but ultimately just surrender. We talked about that earlier, just surrender to the process. And if there's, you know, if this is the only time you ever want to do it in life, then just do it for nine months or really only one day. Um, if that's, if you really want to just do it for one day of your life, then just do it on the day that you give birth. And then you don't truly have to, if you don't want to, you don't have to surrender again. Um, but it will serve you well. So that's, that's the long advice that I would share. <laughs> yes. We will make sure that people can access you in them show notes, yes. um, get that support, uh, cause it's valuable. I mean, you know. Even, you know, we're a little biased because we are birth workers and we've all experienced, but no matter what, it's valuable. It is very, very valuable. And like you said, I love that you touched, like that you said that, that we don't have to physically be there to still touch the experience, to still support you in the way that you need it. And um, I think that that's definitely what this time has shown us Mm -hmm. as birth workers, how we can be more accessible and that we have the power to still do the work, um, in person, out of person, whatever, um, <laughs> we can make it happen. So thank you so much again. Uh, we are so appreciative. Yes. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 